Welcome to the Forthright Gaming Podcast, making content for gamers by gamers. My name is Ian, and with me today is David. And today's podcast, we're going to be discussing uh, the 25-year-old franchise that is Resident Evil. Yeah, and this is an interesting series when you look at it overall. Um, you know, we were talking about how many games have really kept one storyline throughout the whole series, which is pretty rare. And this history of the game goes back back to 1993 when a man named Shinji Mikami was working at Capcom's Osaka studio and his boss basically came to him and said he wanted them to work on a horror game using the designs from Sweet Home which was a simple NES game with horror elements which was also based on the 1989 Japanese film and that game Sweet Home is often considered to be the first survival horror game ever made now, when Shinji saw game development favoring 3D environments, you know, we're talking about PlayStation 1 era here, the team tried their best to bring the game to life in full 3D, but given the limitations of PlayStation, they went with this mixed approach of 3D characters and assets along with 2D backgrounds, giving the game this highly stylized look and thus Biohazard in Japan or Resident Evil as we all know it was born. So... Resident Evil is really more of a cinematic game, presented itself akin to Macabre Night of the Living Dead. It's got elements of corporate espionage, specialized militaristic weaponry, and character-driven narratives. The music is ominous, the visuals had cutting-edge graphics in each game, the main characters are strong, and the game's puzzles provide for a nice break from the relentless survival horror gameplay, which is something that really sets it apart from other titles even to this day. This has really enabled the series to sell well over 107 million games as of 2021. You know, we're recording this here on, on May 9th, right? So it's no surprise as to why the series is so loved. Yeah, and so <clears throat> the Resident Evil series is also especially known for the fact that it kind of brought zombies back into the mainstream. Like George Romero, uh, who is the godfather of the zombies, uh, zombie genre with uh, Night of the Living Dead, a day of living dead and all the zombie movies that uh are well known for and then edgar wright and simon Pegg, who created uh shawn of the dead <clears throat> they all credit resident evil for bringing zombies back to the 21st century uh edgar wright and simon Pegg even featured gameplay resident evil 2 in one of their episodes of space which is one of the first shows that they were working on together uh which also served as inspiration for shawn of the dead uh but the big big factor with it was that like the zombie movies prior, even George Romero's zombies movies, they didn't have an exp a real explanation as to why zombies were appearing. It's just kind of given the supernatural feel that the dead are rising from the grave and they're attacking the living. Um, even R George Romero's uh, zombies weren't out to eat brains. They were just zombies, right? Um, but Resident Evil actually brought the concept that uh, science instead of supernatural elements is what brought what caused the zombie outbreak, making it the result of a virus and the result of a bioweapon that a pharmaceutical uh, military company was basically working on creating. Um, so it kind of brought more to the modern times where it's like, okay, cool, we have zombies, we know why it's why it's happening. And when you look at the whole kind of storyline of the Resident Evil games from like 1, 2, and 3 and whatnot, like in 1, you don't stop the outbreak. Your whole narrative is to just survive and escape. So you end up doing that, but this is stop all the stuff that is already happening. Then Resident Evil 2 is following two characters in a huge metropolitan city with, with that outbreak having spread even worse. And the same with 3 taking place basically roughly around the same time as 2. Um, so it kind of had like this concept that you're not the hero trying to stop the outbreak from happening and trying to prevent this from spreading. 
you're you're just a person who's kind of usually stuck in the situation and you're just trying to survive and i think ultimately you stop something major from happening but you're not stopping the initial outbreak which is also kind of how the movies run too this series uh, as we said like 25 years has 27 uh, uh game iterations and like seven live action movies a plethora of animated movies which aren't even considered canon anymore um i don't think they're ever considered canon they're just like here's this cool resident evil movie because some of the stuff that they ended up devolving to is just ridiculous and this is actually a cool series to kind of look at hey hey they went from a serious idea and then it kind of lost control of it and then they re they reined it back in and kind of re revitalized it and relaunched it to what we have now, which is um, the most recent titles, which is Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8 The Village, which just came out a couple days ago on, what, May 7th, I believe, was launch day. Um, so it's a very interesting story and franchise to follow because, like I said, you start off serious to where, like, you have some games in there that were considered canon and later on they're maybe not considered canon or they spun off their own storyline elsewhere, which that was never finished. You have movies where it devolved into let's have a gunfight at point blank range between our two main characters and that will look cool, right? And it looks the most ridiculous fucking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> like a fist fight with guns and they're not hitting each other or anything. Uh, it's some of the some of the movies are really ridiculous, um, as far as the animation stuff goes. And then the live action movies actually started off really good. I mean, Resident Evil 1 is probably considered one of the few movies that came out that everybody's like, well, this is a decent video game movie. It's not perfect, but it hits all the right elements. It hits all the right tones. This is still pretty cool. And then they just kind of devolve into silly action movies from there, there on. Um, now, what was your first experience when playing Resident Evil? So I had the Sega Saturn version, the original Resident Evil 1, and... Um... You know, I mean, we can kind of go into this later a bit, but really, I think the the downside was the Saturn was PlayStation did polygons based on triangles, right? Sega Saturn did mm -hmm. it based on quadrants, so you had these four four cornered shapes that it would have polygons as opposed to three cornered shapes, and because of that, the Saturn one looks especially blocky. It the graphics weren't as good, and it was also somewhat censored. There was some censorship that occurred in, in the non-original releases, which they brought back later in the director's cut of Resident Evil. Um, but I liked it a lot at the time. It was very interesting. Um, I think the main hard point when I try to go back to it is the tank controls. I fucking hate those tank controls. <laughs> you know, it's it's literally like... Uh, it's it literally like driving a tank. It's like you forward to move forward, left to turn left, right to turn right. And it doesn't feel very intuitive when you... I mean, bear in mind at the time, dual sticks weren't even around, right? Dual sticks didn't even come into the whole Resident Evil gameplay mechanics until the director's DualShock version had come out for Resident Evil 1, which was a, a re-release of the PlayStation 1 title. So that was my first experience. And then, I mean, you and I got into this probably more deeply when Code Veronica came out on the Dreamcast, which is great. Well, I, I first played it, man. I remember, the, I remember this because this came out, like, I think, the same year uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time came out. And I was at uh, I was at my cousin's house in Colorado. And like we literally like went to a Blockbuster, rented a PlayStation, rented an N64, picked up th uh, these games. And I remember us playing Resident Evil that night. And my cousin raved like, oh, man, as live action video, the graphics are so good and all that. And at the time, I, I, at the, time the graphics were kind of cool. 
uh, on it. And the live action video was very cheesy, but it was like still fun to watch. Uh, that's another thing that this game is kind of known for is that it kind of melded video and game where there's a lot of PC games like that. Um, but they're very cheesy and kind of didn't really work all that well uh, until like maybe a, a while later. Um, but I remember us playing it at night and yeah, the controls and the aesthetic are the things that stand out about this game because the, with the 2d backgrounds, and the 3d uh, characters that you moved around, the 3d characters were the things that weren't always rendered the best, but the backgrounds were like, looked like super high res for the time. Like, wow, this is like a really detailed dining room. You can see the shine coming off of the tile floor or the light emanating from the fireplace is reflected off the stuff because it's a static 2D image. And then the controls always being something that disorients you because until you play a Resident Evil game and you're used to playing it, it's that concept that you have to remember forward is always forward <laughs> because as the camera angles constantly change, your character was coming from different angles. And as long as you kept that concept down, you could always continually move. Um, and then, of course, one thing everybody talks about in the, with the first game is... It had a good feel of suspense, and one of the biggest scenes that is always talked about that they had a, they didn't really throw it into the movies, but they had to reference it, which was the dogs. Is <laughs> you run down a hallway, and then suddenly dogs burst through the window, and you're freaking out because it's not a slow moving zombie that's easy to take your time and aim at. They're fast moving, running animals that are that you have to try and shoot and not get killed by. And when they remade this game later on for the GameCube, they uh, referenced it. Whereas where you would expect the dogs to break through the window, you hear them hit the window and fall. Like, <laughs> like they couldn't, they weren't strong enough to hit it. Like, oh, cool. They're not going to break through the window, so they're not going to use the same scare. And then the next time you come through the hallway, they finally break through the window, and then you have to deal with the same thing again just to scare you. It's also known for some of the cheesiest lines, such as uh, I think when oh, one of the characters is, ch is trapped in a room with the ceiling collapsing and she gets out, they say, oh, wow, you almost became a Jill sandwich. It was really cheesy. But I remember playing through that one, um, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, playing through the game I played through completely on my own was definitely Resident Evil 2. But I played it on the uh, N64. And there you had to like, actually get an ex uh, expanded storage drive for the console in order just to play this one game. But the, the one thing I don't remember, maybe you can tell me because I don't know if you played it. But um, I know with the remake, they have the character Mr. X who just stalks you throughout the level. That supposedly is in the original game, but the one cool thing about Resident Evil 2 was it had two campaigns where you played as uh, one male character and one female character, much like the first one. But if you beat the game with both campaigns, <coughs> it was taking both campaigns at the same time and taking in uh, account what you did in the first playthrough. So if like Leon was the one who found the keys to these certain rooms, Claire on your playthrough would find those rooms unlocked and find like different keys to different things. Like it instead of the first game where it was basically here's Chris Redfield's playthrough, here's Jill's playthrough. It was cool. Your playthrough is happening at the same time as your other one, and you could totally see the effects of those things. Uh, and supposedly in the first in the original Res Resident Evil Two, Mister X shows up in your second playthrough with the other character. I never experienced Mr. X on the game game uh, on the N64 version. Um, I only have experienced him in the uh, new remake. Uh, so maybe they cut that out because uh, it's too violent with him stalking you. It was too hot, too tense or something. I know Nintendo really was big on censorship back then. Um, 
But, I mean, as far as I remember, I beat that game on 64. I don't remember Mr. X being in it at all. But a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, Mr. X was in the original Resident Evil 2. He was definitely on PlayStation. But the thing is, I never played these games on the 64. I think I barely played um, Resident Evil 2 on the, the 64 because it was, like, cool to not have loading screens, you know? But that's honestly the only thing I really remember from 64 was no loading screens. Yeah. And, like, the other thing is with these games, like, we said... Of a lot of franchises that are as old as this one, like Mario or Zelda, those are all franchises that are one-off games of each other. They very rarely reference the game before it. There's no story uh, line that kind of connects the two, uh, connects the games together. Where Resident Evil kind of has an ongoing storyline, and then they had some games come uh, come out that did branch to a different storyline that maybe they would continue, maybe they wouldn't. Um, I feel like out of all the titles, the main core titles, it was definitely Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3. Um, we really, like you said, got into Resident Evil Code Veronica. But that, I feel like, is the, is continuing from 2, but branching off to another storyline, which I feel like they don't really continue anywhere. And I almost, like, now it's treated as if it's not canon. Resident Evil 4 continues from Resident Evil 2. And then Resident Evil 5, I feel like, almost kind of ends the story because... Resident Evil 5 is where you finally hunt down the guy you've been hunting down since the first game. And you've defeated by punching a boulder into a volcano, apparently. Yeah. That's how the that's how the franchise kind of got way out of control. 6 was a complete like market failure where most people did not like that game. I haven't had a chance to play it, so I have no idea if it takes place after 5 or before 5 or where the storyline takes place there. But most people did not like it, and it's not referenced usually at anything. And then Resident Evil 7 is when they went and kind of finally rebooted it, which we'll talk a little bit about later on. And in between all this, there's Code Veronica, there's a few remakes, there's a bunch of light gun games. Um, Some co-op games. Yeah, co-op games. There's a bunch of stuff in between here, which may not tie directly to the main storyline that you're following, but it ties to maybe something else or there's a storyline going on within those games themselves. Yeah, I want to say there was even a port they did for the Game Boy Advance, but I can't remember because that game in handheld would look terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, like the one that's a big uh, spinoff that was really popular was Revelations because there's Revelations and Revelations Two, which was kind of I think originally uh, released episodically on like Game Boy, uh, maybe 3D, maybe one of the uh, on the DS, not the 3DS, but the regular DS. That they ended up porting to consoles, to Xbox and whatnot. And you can actually now get, I think, a backwards compatible version of the Revelation series on uh, Xbox One. And even the Series X, Series S as a back compatible title. Um, but those reports from a handheld game. And usually handhelds don't aren't considered canon to the main console franchise. But like I said, it has lots of, lots of titles that all kind of tied together some way or you can see where it's following a character from one of the main franchises um i think one of the ones that a lot of people were disappointed about was resident evil 4 kind of continued leon kennedy's story but then it didn't go anywhere after that because after that we got we went back to chris redfield uh being a steroid juked out football (laughs) player looking guy uh killing uh zombies in africa and then killing wesker in a volcano (laughs) yeah Well, you know, maybe we should just start getting into the games for, especially for those who aren't too familiar. Because, like you said, twenty-five years. I don't know if everybody remembers that much about this whole series. Yeah. So, where do you want to start at? Well, let's start from the beginning. Uh, you know, 
PlayStation era, you know, to kind of break these down, we, we kind of broke them down by eras because the way Capcom kind of planned these games out is they would kind of choose a platform of choice and then release essentially the best iteration of that game on that platform. And of course, later on, they did port some of these games. We're not going to get too long into the ports if we're going to mention them here, but we're really just going to focus on the first release or in some cases, the best release. So PlayStation, you know, the first one that started all Resident Evil 1996, you know, most fans will refer or prefer the director's cut, right? Which had the dual shock. This one also was, remember we were talking about the Sega Saturn one. They had cut out some of the blood in the intro. Um, they had kind of censored out some of the, the scenes in, in the original one when it left Japan from the initial release, when it was Biohazard, right? The director's cut was them bringing that stuff back. And then the DualShock, which was only on PlayStation, of course, actually used dual analog sticks, which made the game a lot more playable, in my opinion. Using it on a D-pad was pretty rough. Yeah, and then in 1998, we had Resident Evil 2, which, um, again, was very much like the first one. We had two campaigns to play, but the difference was those campaigns kind of intersected with each other. Um, and then uh, 99 had Resident Evil 3. And again, you got to think about this, right? 96, 98, 99, they came out with those games super quickly. Like, if you think <laughs> about games nowadays in the franchises, like... Um, was it Bioshock? It's like one game every like four or five years, and like one even like seven. The last game came out seven years in between the other ones. Even Halo has years between games that come out. Resident Evil just kept pumping game after game after game out. Um, I think. One, <clears throat> then you have Resident. I was gonna say one thing that helped too is they actually had like a process in mind, right? Because Resident Evil One, it's like kind of seems like a haunted mansion sort of ordeal, <laughs> and then you realize, holy shit, this is like the base of operations of of umbrella where they kind of lead to this outbreak and then resident evil 2 is where you actually see the effects from the outbreak of resident evil 1 and then 3 i'm not too familiar where its place is in the storyline but it kind of has that similar take i thought of resident evil 2 yeah the thing was is that resident evil 1 and 2 are definitely survival horror right it can be slow pace uh and like high high stress high tension uh game and then resident evil 3 they wanted to make it more action based uh because there are some people like well the Games are too boring. They're too slow, right? The zombies are slow moving. They're just kind of bullet sponges. <clears throat> and once you once you get kill the zombies or kill the enemies, you don't really have to worry about anything in those areas. So Resident Evil Three kind of brought in the concept that they've kind of still used today, which is uh, you, you're stalked by an enemy. So Resident Three was called Nemesis, and there was this character Nemesis that from the beginning of the game is just trying to kill you, and you're running through the city. Uh, during the initial major outbreak. So Resident Evil 2 kind of takes place the night after the major outbreak, and Resident Evil 3 takes place like during the day into the night, kind of uh, around, the, around the same time. But you see the beginning of the outbreak, and then your character's running through the city uh, while being hunted down by a bioweapon called Nemesis that's out strictly to kill you. So it was way more action-based. So like fans of the series didn't quite care for it, but like new fans are like, cool, it's more action-based. They, like, they liked it. Now, um, Resident Evil Survivor, those in 2000, I've never actually played that one. I don't know if you had. I have. It's terrible. <laughs> don't recommend yeah. it. It was a like so, like, game. That's all it was. Yeah. So like you said, Code Veronica is kind of where we really got to. Because I remember we had Dreamcast. We played through that game. And I think Code Veronica, one of the things that I kind of feel sad why I feel like it gets ignored is that it had some really good story elements to it. It continued uh, diving deeper into the people who were creating the virus, what their, what their whole backstory was. Um, it brought Chris Redfield back into the game, and you had Claire from the second one, who's his sister. Um, and it, like, 
was really focused a lot on cinematics. Like you had like I remember you said there's one character in there we said like here's the Leonardo DiCaprio clone because he's really popular <laughs> right now. So they put him in there. They put sequences that were very cinematic and um like literally just watching a movie happen as like these elements were going on. Um, you know, one thing so, you're not mentioning is the, the VMU. <clears throat> that was kind of like the big thing about it, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's... Um, Why don't you go explain that? Yeah, so for people who don't own a Dreamcast, the Dreamcast had a visual memory unit. This thing plugged into your, your controller, right, on the top of it, and it had this basically this open slot that was rectangular shaped where you would see the, the screen on it. And in Resident Evil Code Veronica or actually any of the titles that were released on Dreamcast that were Resident Evil it would show your health so instead of you having to hit start look at the thing that would show like your heartbeat which would indicate your health status you could just look down at your controller so that was kind of like the big thing that the Dreamcast era had brought in this was on top of the fact that it was higher power technology compared to you know previous consoles by far even the PS2 which kind of saw a lot of these titles later it was well above you could tell that the Dreamcast was kind of like their their option of choice when it came to Resident Evil, but the problem is the Dreamcast only had <clears> two years of, of life before it kind of was squashed. Yeah, I mean, the Dreamcast was, was definitely before its time, and it's definitely had a lot of ideas that were later implemented by other companies like Nintendo and whatnot um, that were some, somewhat successful, but kind of over time, they're like, yeah, I don't really want to look down at my controller away from the game action to check my health. But those were really cool elements at the time. Uh, now moving on to the GameCube PS2 era, uh, we basically had a Resident Evil Survivor Code Veronica, which I never played that one, but that was only released in Japan and Europe. I've played it. The one I I did play it. It's it's a it's another light gun game in the Survivor series, but it okay. takes place in Code Veronica. So it was kind of cool that you could see the environment of Resident Evil. But the only problem is, is you have to use like a controller and a light gun at the same time. So oh, weird. Was, yeah, it wasn't the best, <laughs> you know, like because yeah. you have to navigate how you move around with the gun to shoot. So it's like in some ways it seems cool. I would say play it if with two people if you're gonna play it. But yeah, it's yeah, it's worth skipping. Now what I played a lot was the Resident Evil remake, where they basically on the GameCube took Resident Evil One and redid it with the newer engine, newer graphics. Um, that's the first time I actually beat Resident Evil all the way through. And saw the whole story, and saw the whole story in its complete uh, completeness. And the same year, they also came out Resident Evil Zero, which the story of Resident Evil is that you're a team of special forces going in to find out what happened to the first team that went in to go investigate the situation at this mansion. Resident Evil Zero is the story of what happened to that first team, um, and that rolls right into Resident Evil. So like those actually, I think came out as a pair. I think Resident Evil Zero came out, and if you bought pre-ordered it or uh, bought a special edition, you got Resident Evil Remake with it, so you can get the whole story. Um, again, then they had some light gun games like uh, Dead Aim that came out in 2003, uh, Resident Evil Outbreak in 2003, which was an online co-op, which I never played that one either. That one? Did you have experience with that? I, I played it offline, um, but what's interesting is that there are ways to still play it online. Um, you know, it's, it's basically like playing in the... the the Resident Evil universe with the the traditional like tank controls and whatnot. It's not a very great game. It's strictly for people who just kind of want some multiplayer because that part is cool about it. But that's kind of where it ends for me. But mm-hmm. that was on PS2. Now I'd say the next really big title. Um, when you're looking at all of all of these titles, which ones that people will really rave about or tell you to play, which will be, hey, play the 2002 remake of Resident Evil One because it's a remake of the original. 
Resident Evil Zero is okay. Um, but I mean, it gives you it gives you prequel story and then Resident Evil. Resident Evil Two is highly beloved by lots of fans. Three, like I said, is kind of a hit and miss because it's more action based. So if you weren't into the action, the thing was with Resident Evil because you had a static camera. The difficulty of the action and the gameplay of the game was making sure you're pointing your gun at the right area <laughs> to shoot something, and not necessarily about you know hitting something in the head or the leg or anything like that. It's more like, am I pointing the gun in the right direction that the enemy is at, and will I hit him or miss him? Resident Evil 4 came out in 2005 on GameCube. I think that was its initial platform it released on was GameCube. Yes, and it was super hyped up. Uh, I remember this being a huge release. I remember getting it on launch day. Uh, because it was cool. Uh, we're coming back. We're going to actually follow one of the characters from the second game, which we hadn't seen in any of the other games yet, which is uh, Leon Kennedy. <clears throat> Went from being a street cop to now being the a bodyguard for the President of the United States. And this is the first time they took it from being a static 2D environment with a 3D character moving through it to being a full like 3D action game and over-the-shoulder 3D a third person shooter to where you can now aim the gun at a head at somebody's arm, at somebody's leg. The characters would really react to that. Like you could, um, I think you could disarm people if you shot them, uh, in the hand, you could definitely shoot them in the knee and it would make, uh, enemies, uh, fall to the ground. So you, you give yourself some breathing room and you could prioritize, uh, headshots over just body shots to try and make the most use out of your limited resource of, uh, of ammo. And then also kind of took the story out of, hey, this whole issue of Outbreak isn't just happening in Raccoon City in the U.S. Uh, it set this game in Spain and kind of set on the origins of where Umbrella, our antagonist, kind of got elements to create the virus that created the zombie outbreak. Yeah, this this game kind of set the new template, I would say, for where the modern storyline is kind of going and how, it's, how it presents itself in the Resident mm-hmm. Evil world. Because when you think about it, Everything before this was zombies. Like, it's somebody who would, like, succumb to the virus, die, and then he'd come back as a zombie. In this game, they talked, right? That I mean, I guess most people didn't understand what they're saying because they're all speaking Spanish. But I, I speak Spanish, and it was really creepy having a guy just kind of say, detrás de ti, and that basically means I'm behind you. You know, or they just say, muere, like, die, right? They would just say these very threatening things in very threatening ways. And a lot of that context, I would say, gets lost to non, non-Spanish non speakers. But if you are a Spanish speaker, it's a really creepy game. And it was cool that you had these zombies that were clearly coordinating efforts. Whereas before, it was kind of like a bunch of people in a room getting hungry and seeing food. They'd all just turn at you and slowly walk your way or run your way. Now they're coordinating and... um you had more than yeah, they could use enemies. ladders. They could use tools. Uh, there was a one a guy with a chainsaw that would run yeah. after you. Um, <clears throat> it definitely changed the whole aspect and made it more uh, action based. It kind of took it. You saw the scientific elements of, hey, there's a corporation working on bioweaponry, and this is kind of where they got some of the stuff. But then it started kind of add a little bit more of that supernatural element of here. You're in this old school village in. Uh, Spain out in the middle of nowhere and like there's a castle and like they're kind of worshiping this uh, kind of parasite parasitic thing that they found that uh, turned them into these monsters but like not completely brain dead zombies but uh, I think they call them the Las Plagas or something yes. uh, in the, that game. The, the plague yeah. Yeah so you have these infected people but they're not brain dead zombies they're still functioning they can attack you they can use tools and all that which Definitely up the action to it. 
Um, and then they, th- I believe they took stuff from this game and threw it right, right into like the, the movie, like the laser, the laser hallway in Resident Evil one is straight out of Resident Evil four. Uh, and when you got to the laboratory, like Leon had to jump through lasers, uh, back and forth. Uh, they just didn't have like the grid one that, uh, comes out of the guy in the movie. <laughs> um, but those are things that were very memorable. Like four is probably definitely up there with one of the best games that they came out with. Now, when we hit the PS3, Wii, and Xbox 360 era, only game I really played on the three that came out on this one was Resident Evil 5, which was out in 2009. But they did have Umbrella Chronicles in 2007, which was a co-op rail shooter. Um, and then Resident Evil 5 came out, which was really big because it's going to be the first co-op, uh, at least console co-op main, main game in the franchise. Uh, and they did it in an interesting way, right? Because... One of the reasons why you can never play co-op in Resident Evil is like you can't have two characters fighting over the camera, right? We saw that happen with games like Fable 2 oh, yeah. um, and other ones where you had a co-op game, but you had two people fighting over where the camera was on one screen. Um, and they wanted to make it couch co-op. So basically what they did is this cool kind of trick where they made it kind of a picture-in-picture. Picture. So instead of if you had like a 50-inch TV, you wouldn't have a 50-inch image of the game. You would have... Uh, diagonal square of it and then you'd have like another square and they weren't complete diagonals of your TV they kind of made them I guess like overlap a little bit they did it in a weird way where it wasn't just your TV split in quadrants and two black ones and two filled ones um, but they had it there so you both had a decent size view of what was going on and you guys could both play on your own type of screen on one screen um, I think it worked fairly well but I can see why it doesn't it didn't take off to go like hey let's do make all co-op games like this because People would buy big TVs to get the big theater experience with video games and movies, and then you'd only use a portion of it like this. So, not exactly the best use of the techno- of technology as far as how to present the- present your story. Um, but this is the game where I say like the main co- canonical story kind of ends is that in the story of Resident Evil, you're betrayed by someone in your team called uh, Albert Wesker, who actually ends up being ends up being somebody who works for the Umbrella Corporation who started all this mess. Resident Evil 5, you finally track him down because he makes an appearance in almost all the games except Resident Evil 4, I think. <clears throat> and But Resident Evil 5, you finally track him down and you finally confront him and you can finally take him, uh, finally kill him and take him out of the story. Uh, that, for me, is like, cool. The story's done. Never played 6. I know 6 was an action-based one that took place in the city and it was also co-op. Um, you had more experience with that one. Maybe you can talk about six. Oh god, I honestly don't remember too much because I felt like the the gameplay was very not Resident Evil. Um, a lot of quick time events. I remember specifically there was one sequence that was very frustrating where you're grabbed by something and you're being pulled, pulled, pulled. I mean, Dead Space did something similar to this, right? We remember that in, in Dead Space where something like that happens with the mechanics, but in in these games it just didn't feel as good. It, it I wouldn't say that it felt rushed. It just felt like they were really trying so hard to do another co-op game that, you know, Resident Evil 5 was a good blend of action horror, right? You still had some horror elements. You still had some action. I would say single player wise, it was kind of tough because if you were, you know, Shiva, for example, you're, you're whoever the second player you're not controlling, they would get messed up. If you do co-op, I feel like it was a lot easier to beat the game. This in six I would say the hard difficulty of it was it just wasn't as enticing of a story. I don't even remember much. I remember beating it on 360, and that's about it. But I really just remember being like, thank God it's over, because I just didn't enjoy its story. That's the thing, is that Resident Evil 6 pretty much 
from all these games we're talking about, they're coming out like two, three years from each other. Resident Evil 6 pretty much killed the franchise on the main consoles. That was our last console real entry. The games that really came out after that were some experimental stuff. Then there was the DS games like Revelations and Revelations 2 that were later ported to the console. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, if it's a, a handheld game and it gets ported over, I'm pretty much not going to really play it because it's like, well, these are handheld graphics that just get slapped onto a, a bit more powerful computer that can run them faster. Um, they're not, and then they're honestly not that bad. I, I actually do enjoy Revelations. I think the co op was good, but I think the, okay, like, for example, I bought the pass, the game, the, the Xbox Resident Evil Revelations pass on the 360. And I remember I was like, how the fuck do I get the rest of these chapters? Like, I just paid for this. How do I get the chapters? And you're, I bought the, the game and the chapters on the 360s store, right? You have to go in the game and then download them all. Basically, it says you've already purchased them. And you have to purchase them. At, not purchase them, sorry. Download them through the in-game menu. If you don't know about that, like I did, it's frustrating because like you'll play the game and you're like, now nah, I can't go any further because I'm missing the content. But you're not really missing the content. It's because the way it works out. I mean, now with Xbox One, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, it'll just download everything for you when you buy a Game Pass, right? These older systems don't really do that for you. And that's what was so frustrating. Yeah, and they're trying to like make it episodic anyway. Like, hey, this we came out with this uh, chapter and then in a few months we'll come out with another chapter. That was at a time where they're doing that with a, quite a few different games, and it just never really worked out very well. I mean, even the games that are were known for this, like the Telltale games, that are like, "Hey, we're do episodic gaming." It t- they couldn't get the episodes up because they weren't making they weren't like making them in the can. Like how you do a TV show, you make you film your whole series uh, during a certain time of the year, you get it edited, and then you have you no know, twelve episodes in the can. And then maybe you're filming episodes every week after that, but you're not stalling the show because you're waiting for the next episode to get made. <laughs> they constantly were stalling stuff, waiting for them to finish the games to where it, it broke it up. And and the Revelation story never gets referenced again in any of the main storylines. It does follow, I believe, um, Jill, right? Which one? Follow Jill? No, uh, Revelations. Is it Jill or Claire that it follows? Oh, no, that's Jill. I'm pretty sure it's Jill. Okay, Could, yeah. so yeah, I think if... So they follow Jill, who is the other main character in the first game, and follows kind of her storyline, but it never gets referenced on anything else. Now, uh, with this long break from 2009 to 2017 is where we get our next mainstay uh, Resident Evil game, but it's more of a reboot, but it's kind of weird because they don't say, hey, we're rebooting the series. They just say, hey, it's Resident Evil 7, but it never references anything from the previous games. Um it does have some of the previous game's characters, but they're doing something different. Where Resident Evil I f- 7, I felt like they took a long break and they looked at the horror genre of all in, as a whole, not just in video games, but as pop culture, and noticed that, hey, you have games like Outlast, you have games like Amnesia and, ga- and Gaming, you have movies like um, as, Above, as Above, So Below, and found footage stuff is really taking off big right now because... People have been able to execute a found footage horror film fairly well and make it very entertaining. And games have started copying that type of concept as well. But the one nice thing about Resident Evil is that unlike Amnesia or um, some of those other found footage games, you're able to actually fight back, which is what I always like. Is that the thing the the flow of Resident Evil is you're scared at first and you feel weak. Then you get a good shotgun, and then you're like, okay, I believe in the power of the shotgun, and then you fucking just <laughs> rail through everybody. 
and like you feel strong and invincible. So you kind of overcome your fear and fight back instead of being scared of everything. Where in other games like Outlast, you have to just run away from everything and just try to survive. Don't forget the big shift here. You know, <laughs> we went from 2D backgrounds, 3D characters and, and props, right? Then we went to full 3D environments and characters. This was the first time they dropped the third person camera and went with a full blown first person. And this was a, a deliberate decision because, and I think this is a good one. When you look at it, it's hard to get scared in third person because you're looking at the character. You're not really being the character, but now you're in first person and you can be the character. And this was the first game that had VR support on the PlayStation four. And I remember I played this at a buddy's house and he was like, dude, you got to play this scene. This scene's fucked up. I'm like, okay, what am I doing? And there's like a scene where you got to put your hand in like this guy's, like this corpse's neck and grab a key out. Or I think it was a key, some sort of thing you pull out of it. I can't remember. And I just remember doing this in VR. I'm like, dude, this is disgusting. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Yeah, this. that's the thing. That's why, it, like I mentioned, found footage because it's it's in first person, and so you're playing now a horror game and Resident Evil game in first person, in kind of a found footage format, where like you have a flashlight, it's dimly lit, but hey, you have a gun, uh, but hey, now the enemies you're fighting aren't slow moving zombies or, l- or lumbering things. You have uh, the element of the redneck family uh, in Louisiana that is just <laughs> murdering people. Uh, and you follow the story of a guy named Ethan Winters, whose wife disappeared for three years. Apparently, he gets a message from her saying, hey, come get me in Louisiana at this address. Why he doesn't go to the cops, who knows? <laughs> he just goes out there and finds himself captured by this uh, family. Uh, and again, like a lot of Resident Evil games, it starts off in a house or in an area, and it seems supernatural. And then you get to a point where like, the game ends more towards all right you're in a lab and you understand how this stuff was understands that this was manufactured and somebody was studying it and this is not a supernatural element this was a disaster that happened and this family who were the villains were actually victims of uh what happened of the outbreak that happened and you basically had to go through and kill them to get to, to get to your wife and whatnot um then after that that was with a new engine called the re-engine which also Definitely up the graphics and made everything look really well. Now, with, how, with the popularity of that, that kind of revitalized Resident Evil. It was like, wow, this looks great. you got to remake some of the old games with this engine, right? Because it'll look awesome. <clears throat> so then they remade Resident Evil 2 in 2019. And then they also remade Resident Evil 3 in 2020. So now we're back on that schedule of two to three years. There's a new game coming out. Um, because... They have a new engine. They have a plan. They wanted to completely remake Resident Evil 2, not just do a remaster like they did with uh, Resident Evil 1. So the game is the same, but yet different. There's different elements. It starts out differently. Uh, they definitely added stuff. Like I said, they had they added uh, Mr. X, who is a stalker character, who basically stalks you uh, throughout the entire game. Like I said, people said he was in the original one, but like on the on the uh, N64 version, I don't recall him being there at all. Uh, but that may add more tension where there's a character now that can, if you fire off your gun, he'll hear you and he'll come straight for you and you cannot kill him. You literally <laughs> have to avoid him and survive until you get to a point where he actually dies. Um, but it follows the kind of the same, it follows the same story as Resident Evil 2, but it doesn't do it exactly the same way, which is nice. Uh, so it had lots of callbacks to the game, but it was new. And then, then they remade Resident Evil 3, which, again, was more action-based, um, but done a lot better with this engine. Instead of having the 2D backgrounds and 3, 3D sprite and being having a hard time trying to aim, you now had the action of the, the 3D environment 
and a really good mixture. I feel like some quick time events, some action, um, it and it just look. It actually probably looks. It looks really good. It's a really good game, um, uh, to kind of play through, uh, and then also that also kind of came with their first attempt. Well, not their first attempt, but an attempt at co-op for this generation using the free engine, which was Resistance. Um, that just kind of failed because <laughs> it was just too complicated. It was it was a cool idea where you had one player be the mastermind evil person run, uh, running uh, the game. And you had four people who were survivors who basically had to survive this gauntlet, kind of like a Saw game almost, of you have the crazy person who sets all the traps, places all the enemies, and you had four people who had to find keys and things to work their way through the facility and get out. But it was overly complicated. It, literally, it took like 30 minutes to get through the tutorial, where it's like very apparent to anybody, it's like, if it takes this long to teach you how to play, then your game's not good. It has to be easy to pick up and easy for everybody to play as either the the mastermind or as a survivor. So that kind of just fell to the wayside. The worst thing was it, it just didn't fit. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like they're trying to be uh, capitalize on the Dead by Daylight success of survivors and a killer. But the killer just basically used a card deck system to sit there and divvy out monsters in different spots and spawn them or spawn or then spawn uh, a nemesis or a boss character. But like if the survivors or coordinators stuck together, they, they just take everything out and they get out <laughs> of the game anyway. So it's like, it wasn't very fun on either side. Like if you were a survivor and you had a bunch of lone wolves, then yeah, everybody fucking died. If you were a mastermind, every worked together, they completely just ran over anything you did. So really, I feel like that was a really failed attempt at them trying to capitalize on an idea someone else had. Um, and then Resident Evil uh, 8 just came out, 2021. So boom, one year uh, later, they come out with a brand new title, mainstay title on the franchise. Now this one is taking place directly after Resident Evil 7, references the events of Resident Evil 7. As I said, doesn't those games don't reference anything that happened prior to this. You just do still have Chris Redfield, but in this, what's kind of a flip in this universe is that Chris Redfield is now working for Umbrella instead of fighting Umbrella. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I haven't beat Resident Evil 8 yet, obviously, since it just came out. But I'm thinking that they could tie this back to the older games, depending on what they explain. Um, but as far as I look right now, it looks like it's just referencing Resident Evil 7. Because uh, And the weird thing with 7 and 8 is that Umbrella is a entity there but we don't know are they the villain or are they the good guys um and i think eight is kind of going to reveal that they may be the villains or they may be they're involved somehow but we just don't know directly how where the original franchise umbrella is the corporation they found this parasite they're going to make a they make a bioweapon out of it and they lose control of it and then that's how the outbreaks happen where seven and eight we don't quite understand what their role is because they don't show up in seven till the very end to clean up the situation after you've defeated everything. And then in eight, it seems like you're part of umbrella, but not really like you're still left in the dark about what the hell's going on. Um, but resident evil eight also now has another attempt at multiplayer, which they ended up delaying after the beta to tweak it some more. And it's going to come out sometime this summer called resident evil reverse. <clears throat> Um, which is just a straight-up deathmatch. I think it's a four-on-four deathmatch. The gimmick here, though, is you play as some of the main characters in the franchise, such as Leon or Claire or Chris um, or Ada Wong or some of the other characters that have shown up throughout the series, 
but when you die, depending on collectibles you've picked up throughout the match, you'll turn into a bioweapon. Either you'll be a very weak uh, weapon, uh, bioweapon from like Resident Evil 7, like a, a mold man, or you could turn into the nemesis or one of the boss characters, depending on what you've picked up, uh, to be an even harder character to kill, which seemed like a cool element. When I watched people play the beta, it looked like a lot of fun. Um, but I was kind of disappointed they didn't come out with the game, so that means they're, they're definitely retweaking it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are today. I, when I actually saw Reverse, though, I was a little worried because I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting hints of uh, Umbrella Corpse on this one. <laughs> and the problem with Umbrella Corpse, I believe, was that they're trying to make it an eSports game. There's a time when almost everybody, if they're coming out of a multiplayer game, they're like, let's make it an eSport because if it's an eSport, we'll get sponsorships, they'll be on TV, and people will love to play eSports, right? And almost every game that they did that focus with fell on their fucking face. Like, esports games are just the MOBAs and, like, CSGO. That's it. Like, there are, like, in-house tournaments for Halo and other things, but they never blew up as big as the MOBA esports games did. And I remember, remember Evolve, they tried to market that as an esport game, and oh, that yeah. fell completely on its face. So it's like, games will either be really good multiplayer and they'll just turn into an esports game, or they'll just be a game that people will play. It's it's weird how that works. And so some of those we can talk, talk about in another podcast on how the whole esports thing kind of took stuff over. But that's the whole series as it is from now. And like I said, it feels like the mainstay titles is one through five that basically tell that story. Six, man, who cares about that? Seven completely reboots the series well, with a new character and kind of a new storyline. Eight's continuing that, and eight's kind of like, real honestly, it's the successor to Resident Evil Four, where you're now back in an area where it seems like there's some more of a supernatural element to it. That's probably going to be revealed to be more scientific later on. Um, but you're definitely going through dealing with uh, enemies that aren't just lumbering zombies and just sitting there wandering back and forth. You have uh, like werewolf type characters lichens who will dodge and jitter around and move you have uh some like vampire witch vampire slash witch like sub bosses you have to fight and it basically the way this game is unfolding for me right next i'm only like maybe a quarter way through it is that you're gonna have four bosses and then one main one final boss at the end of the game and they're gonna go through four different environments um the main ones are uh, the castle, which they've talked about with the demos and whatnot, and everybody's talking about the tall vampire lady that everybody loves. Sorry, you'd be disappointed. She's the first boss, and once you're done with her, you're <laughs> done with her. <laughs> so um, so what's your favorite? If you had to pick top two out of all the iterations, doesn't matter if it's a port or whatnot, what are your top two I, favorites? I would say Resident Evil 2, and then I, I'm actually enjoying 8 more than 7 because um, it's more action and uh, more exploration versus... Seven, I felt very claustrophobic being stuck in this like house in this uh, uh, plantation area. Um, and Seven didn't have a huge variety of enemies. You literally just had, here's Mold Man, and then here's a Mold Man that's on all fours that's fast. <laughs> and that was basically it, other than the family members who would only come out for boss fights. Um, but Eight, I think, does a good job of implementing the stalking element that uh, Mr. X is in two, but without doing it to where it's a pain in the butt. Like, literally, Mr. X makes playing two kind of hard to play because, like I said, once he gets introduced, if you fire off a gun on the other side of the map, he's go he beelines it directly there. 
Uh, and he will enter sometimes safe spaces like the main hall in Resident Evil 2 that is normally a safe space to save your game, dump your items in your storage box. He has to use that area to get to the other side of the building. So he will walk in there and chase you around the hall and he's almost impo he's impossible to kill. Where in 8, the stalking character is the tall vampire lady, uh, Demistru or something. I can't remember how you pronounce her name. But she's easy enough to juke. <laughs> Um, and it seems like they kind of restricted where she can go when she starts stalking you to only a few certain areas. Uh, because I I've definitely felt the stress of like, is she going to show up if I start firing my gun off to uh, do this? Or if I keep breaking vases to get uh, item pickups, is she going to hear that? It seems like that's not a thing in Resident Evil 8. At least, I'm not on the mode I'm playing. I'm playing on easy, but she doesn't show up Every time you do something, she only shows up in certain areas where you have enough room where you can kind of comfortably get away from her and get through a door where she won't follow you. Um, but it also feels like that's only one part of the game instead of you being stocked the entire game. Um, I haven't gotten to the second. I just now got to the second, uh, basic, basically the second level. And it's throwing a whole new game mechanic at me. Like, as you heard us playing earlier, it's like, oh, crap, they just took all my guns and weapons away from me. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, so I feel like the different four levels you're going to play through, they're going to have a different mechanic for each of them, uh, which will make that a lot more enjoyable. So those would be my two picks. It's definitely two and eight. Two and eight. Yeah, I'm a little different on this one. I, I know four is probably my favorite, but I think the Spanish probably plays a strong part in that. Um, really creepy. I really like the fact that you're kind of... Um, I like the idea of you going to this town and you're kind of like on your own, right? And I also like the cheesy campiness. I mean, 8 kind of has something similar with the salesman guy, but in, in 4, it's like, what are you buying? What are you selling? You know, I'll sell it for a high price. Like, I love that cheesiness of like, all right, I almost got killed by this dude speaking Spanish. And Leon, to my knowledge, doesn't speak Spanish because they don't show subtitle subtitles explaining what the hell they're saying. <laughs> but I like the fact that all of a sudden he somehow meets this guy who speaks English and not only that can sell goods without being harmed in all these different locations. Is this, I don't know, it's it kind of... I think it plays very well from a both a, like a slight comedy and a horror. It, it, that sales guy really did a good job of breaking up the story, and I like the bosses a lot. And they do the same thing in eight because the merchant that you have in eight called the Duke does almost the same thing, where like he'll, he he actually gives you good story points and he has a lot, it plays more of a bigger character in what's going on, but he's ultimately there to help you to sell you weapons and items just like the merchant does in four. And when you're browsing his store, he'll go, what are you buying? That's what <laughs> one of my colleagues used to say. <laughs> so they definitely reference 4 a lot. And that's why it feels like 8 is an upgraded version of 4 with just a little bit different story and better gunplay and whatnot. Um, and you have a definite focus on here's an area, here's an area boss. Versus Nemesis where it's just one boss that's constantly uh, chasing you. You have to figure out different ways to take them down. Or, uh, two, there is a big boss who's running around, and every time you run into him, you have to kind of figure out a different way to get around him or take him down. This is like, all right, cool. There's the four lords here uh, who uh, pray to this one, who have this one person they all answer to. You need to go to each of their areas, get a specific item from them, but they're all very different. One's a tall vampire lady, one's a tiny puppet, one's a kind of a grotesque looking uh, mutated guy who like lives in water. The other one's another human being who has telekinetic powers, basically. 
you're going to have to go through all their different stuff very uh, differently and find and fight them di all through different methods. Ultimately, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen, the same thing happens in most Resident Evil games, is uh, when you fight the final boss, they're going to turn into some grotesque giant monster. you got to kill that thing, and then you'll move on to the next level. And then the last boss will be like a multi-phase boss where it's human, it's monster, and now it's some giant like skyscraper-sized monster that you have to kill. As they did like since Veronica, I think that's when they really started doing that. It's like, oh, everything just starts mutating and getting worse and worse and worse until you finally kill it. I think Nemesis, they actually did that too, where the Nemesis turns into this giant blob thing that you just kill. I don't remember Nemesis. I barely <clears throat> played it, but yeah. I mean, Resident Evil 4 was definitely my favorite, but I also, I like co-op, so Resident Evil 5, those are probably my top two I'd recommend. If you like co-op, I recommend it. My wife and I, we beat 5. Um, I think the only thing that, that sucked about 5 is the ending of that game where you're fighting in that damn volcano pit. It's button mashing and like quick time events, and it sucks. It, we played it on easy, hoping we could still get through that stupid part. We eventually gave up after like, I want to say like 20 tries. We For 20 tries, we're like, you know what? I can't quick time event this, button mash this every time perfectly. So we just went on YouTube and watched the ending. We're like, we're good. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to watch you this. You see, I feel like... Like, 5 is where it definitely jumps the shark as being, okay, we're going to go over the top, unrealistic, and, like, almost follow where the movies went. Their movies go, like, really crazy and unrealistic to where they have to retcon themselves to, to make your make their main character weak again uh, to actually make it a horror movie. Because I think, like, by the end of, uh, end of Resident Evil 3's movie... The main character has superpowers; they can kill everything, and then they had to like take that away from her to make like the other seven movies that they made. <laughs> oh yeah. So like in five, it gets gets to that point where it's like, all right, we're just at a ridiculous action scene. I'm, and it is literally Wesker falls in a volcano pit, and to keep him down in the lava, you punch a boulder into a pit. <laughs> it's just it's so fucking stupid. Um, so that's where I feel like they definitely jump the shark, and that's where you see that major pause. <clears throat> where the good Resident Evil 6, that completely flopped as a co-op game and story-wise, nobody liked it. And then they kind of took it back and they reined the uh, franchise back in and said, okay, let's go back to horror. And Resident Evil 7 is legitimately scary with more jump scares, where I feel like 8 is now is now kind of a remake of Resident Evil 4 with more action, but just as intense scares and uh, thrills in there as well. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, I mean, this this series is pretty interesting. Like you said, this is one of the most influential video games of all time. Revitalized the zombie genre. First game to get the, the you know, the rated M, 17 plus rating. The evolution of the Resident Evil series is an interesting one when you look at the games as a whole and how the focus changed and needed to be reined back in. And it's still really rare to see a game go this long with a, with a single ongoing storyline. And it's in a unique position, as most franchises will typically go with a standalone title. Like you mentioned Zelda, right? Wind Waker isn't really connected to the next one. And the only other franchises that we've talked about, we tried to actually figure this out. The only games that, that really had a continuing storyline across multiple titles in a single lore are like Elder Scrolls, Mortal Kombat, Metal Gear, Metroid, and Castlevania. The rest will switch it up. And even there, there's like Mortal Kombat, I think like 1, 2, and 3 kind of connect. And after that, it's kind of like... They're kind of retcon some stuff. Elder Scrolls, it does take place in the same world, and the events you did in the past do are referenced, but they're referenced like, this happened a thousand years ago. <laughs> like, there's giant breaks of time in between what happened on those games. 
and they never reference specific things that you, your character, actually, because you're not importing a save or anything. They're just referencing major events of the prior games, right? Like, hey, the um, volcano in Morrowind exploded at this time. It's like, well, yeah, that's because in Morrowind game, I did this. But they don't reference all the different things that you could have done in Morrowind, right? Um, and again, there's, there's that long distance there. And then, like, games like Castlevania kind of follow a storyline, and then they rebooted it to a different to have a different storyline. Um, and then other ones kind of felt like Metroid, like Prime was its own kind of branching storyline that didn't really reference any of the prior games. And then that one fell off and nobody really knows what's going on with Metroid anymore. Um, and Metal Gear is like, it's a Kojima game. It's gonna have some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it, they, they connect, but their own, their big connecting thing is like nuclear war. How do we avoid it? It's like, we've had like six games already, guys. We haven't figured out how to avoid it yet. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely true. But, I mean, Metal Gear was probably one of the few that actually did connect well. I mean, the, you did have the, what was it, MSX, NES versions of it, where you kind of get the hints of where he was going with before Metal Gear Solid came around. But Metal Gear Solid was like a whole reinvention of that, which was amazing. But and yeah, Red- I feel like the Metal Gear Solid franchise kind of goes to the NES ones. It's like NES ones were like basic like sh- like games of their time. The Metal Gear Solid one goes back and like helps bring those games back into their lore. And then goes on with its own storyline as it goes. But yeah. it's weird. It's like after two, I stopped paying attention to the story of Metal Gear Solid. It's funny you mentioned Wesker, the whole one to five story, because that kind of really is the basis of it. I mean, for those who do know, in Resident Evil 1, Wesker's with you when you enter the house at the very beginning when when your whole squad gets attacked, right? When when I think your alpha team, Bravo team, I can't remember which one you are. In you're, you're Bravo team because alpha uh, or out. Bravo team went in first and your alpha team or vice versa. Yeah, I can't remember. In there. And he's the commanding officer of your team. So the whole kind of driving point in Resident Evil is that not only are you trying to survive the horrors that are, are being put for, in front of you, you're out to get the guy who betrayed you and, and basically killed your entire team all for a bioweapon experiment. And that's why throughout all the games, even with Code Veronica and some of the side ones, you're chasing Wesker. Wesker finally gets his comeuppance in five. That's why I feel like that's where the story ends, and then they basically reboot it in seven. But the thing with seven is that they kind of said it's not a reboot. We're not re- redoing the series from scratch. But ap- but the story has nothing to do with what happened prior. And the thing is, Chris Redfield, who's the main hero in the franchise, is working for Umbrella. So it's almost as, as if Chris Redfield is now the Wesker, but we don't know what his real main role is. And Resident Evil Eight definitely. Play, points him out to be an antagonist because that game starts off with him killing your wife and kidnapping your baby and you're like what the hell's going on chris and all he tells you is no stop and then they knock you out <laughs> <laughs> and you're like what the fuck's going on um i think i'll tell you like after this but i think courtney uh just by watching it she i bet you she, i bet she's figured out what happens in this game um just from a few hints that they that they give at the beginning but it's like classic resident evil where they give you one hint and then they make you forget about it for the entire game so you're surprised at the end when they do when they pull it out as a out as a twist. Yeah, I still have to watch um Village or commonly we're referring referring uh Resident Evil Eight, but Village looks interesting. I just I I haven't had much time since this just came out. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's a lot of fun. But now if you want to talk about like um kind of the best versions of each title to pick up, we do have like a list of titles that we would recommend that people go and, and grab and play. 
Yeah, you know, consider this like a collector's conversation, right? If you're just looking for the best versions to own in your actual collection. So we have some recommendations on certain platforms. So this the general mindset is you're just looking for the best version. So understand we're not trying to focus on a budget sort of uh, on this sort of ordeal. And if you're a PC gamer or if you're in emulation, that's also an option on the table. But please note that we don't condone piracy of any kind. So, you know, do what you can to support these great developers so we can see more great Resident Evil games. And PC, you're in a unique place because you can use mods you can put on more costumes and stuff. So we're going to probably be mainly focusing in here on just the console iteration. So kind of starting with that, we do not recommend you pick up Resident Evil Survivor for PlayStation 1, Resident Evil 6, Operation Raccoon City, Umbrella Corpse, or Resistance. They're just not even worth looking at. And at least in my opinion, I don't know how you feel. Oh, I definitely agree. Like, don't... You can skip all those titles. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Um, if you like Resident Evil 1, not the remake, but just one, I recommend the DualShock uh, Director's Cut on PlayStation. That one's really good. And if you have a Dreamcast, I actually thought the original 2, 3, and Code Veronica were really good on that. You had the VMU, the graphics were really good. Um, if you have a modded Dreamcast with the GDEMU in it, the load times are pretty damn fast, which is pretty cool. Um, so this is where it gets a little controversial, though. GameCube, Resident Evil 4. The re-releases of Resident Evil 4 have a lot of issues. Yes, you can get a higher resolution. Yes, you can get a higher frame rate. But the issues are abound. You could look up Digital Foundry Resident Evil 4 just for just some of the issues found. For example, the hand animations on firing a gun are like at 30 frames a second. But then the game's at 60 frames a second. So you kind of have these horrible looking animations on this high speed, high resolution frame. It doesn't look good. The environment just looked better at a lower resolution. I mean... One thing to bear in mind, when the original PlayStation games were out, we're talking 320 by 240. You know, that's how many pixels these games have. Now we're talking about 1080p, you know, 1920 by 1080, much higher resolution. The textures of the Resident Evil 4 game looked much better on a GameCube. You know, I know it didn't really do a proper 480p. You know, you had the black bars and stuff because it was originally meant for a, a CRT screen, right? For three aspect ratio. But I really thought that the, the GameCube Resident Evil 4 version was the best one. I could go on and on about it, but really, just trust me when I say I've heavily researched this game because this one's my favorite. The GameCube one's the best one to go, hands down. Um, some of the more abstract titles, PS2, Resident Evil Dead Aim, that's the light gun required game. CRT is required for that. Um, Outbreak. That one's actually still playable using what's called the Outbreak server. If you're interested in that, go ahead and look it up. Um, it's also playable with the PCSX2 emulator. So if you have the game, you want to play it with the emulator on your PC with higher resolution, you can go ahead and do it and just set it up for, for the Outbreak server and still play online, which is pretty cool, actually. Um, and then there's also the Resident Evil Survivor Code Veronica game. I like it because I like Code Veronica, but I would say if you're not in the Lycan games, you could skip Date Aim, you can skip Code Veronica. Um, now, on the PS3 era and, and Xbox 360 era, I would say the Resident Evil remake works well on either of those consoles. You could do the Xbox or PS3. Either way is great. Um, Resident Evil 7, I know we mentioned VR earlier. I still think it plays best on, on PlayStation 4 Pro, but that's because you have the VR option. I, as far as I know, I don't think it had VR on any of their consoles or platforms. Right? Oh, no, because cause even though like uh, VR of peripherals can work on the Xbox One, 
and the HoloLens dev kit will work. There's no games that actually support it on Xbox One. <clears throat> I would say if you want VR, PS4 Pro, if you just want, if you're cool without having without VR, you're not into VR. It works fine on on Xbox One as uh as well or Xbox One uh One X. Uh, that generation or even the Series X, you can play Resident Evil Seven and you'll have a good time with it. Um, and then like the Series X, like again, the remakes uh for One and Zero work fine on there. Resident Evil Five works fine. Uh, Revelations 1 and 2, they're all Xbox port back and pats here. Uh, Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes are um, made for the for the Xbox One platform. And Series X, technically it's backwards compatible, but it's like... It's almost not back compatible anymore because Series X is just... Hey, anything from the One era is going to be playable moving forward. So they've basically made it so it works on all the new stuff. And the Resident Evil 8... Um, uh, definitely Xbox Series X, uh, I, I think that's what I have, but uh, 60 frames per second, uh, ray tracing is activated. You're going to get the best looking game there um, on the Series X itself. The S uh, does have ray tracing, but you have to turn it on. It's off by default. Um, and the frame uh, frame rates and user resolution isn't as good as the Series X. So the X and the S are fairly comparable. They both can do 4K. But the X is just a little bit more powerful. It will always give you the best of the best if you play it on the X. Yeah, the only thing I would add is <clears throat> when it comes to Resident Evil 5 and Revelations, those are co-op online. The reason why we recommend them on Xbox uh, Series X specifically is you can have them on the 360 and the PS3. That's fine. I have them on the, P uh, on the 360, right? But the problem is, is how long are those servers going to be up? I don't know. I would say the time is limited in terms of that window you're better off buying them on an Xbox One at the very least or a PS4. I think that's going to be your better bet in terms of longevity with the game. Although, without getting into it, the CMOS battery on PS4 kind of makes me want to recommend you go Xbox One or Xbox Series X, but that's just kind of my brain telling you for longevity's <laughs> sake. But those are some some main things I want to point out for co-op because they're online only. They're not system link. Uh, I believe they support uh split screen on the on the the xbox one ports i actually don't remember because i haven't bought those yet but i think they do on the xbox i remember people talking about the a split screen for it so i think they do um but hey th these are what we recommend um if you want like i said if you were and if you want to follow like the main storyline it's one two three uh four five and then you can and if you don't want to go to the original storyline just kind of want to start kind of fresh Seven and eight is kind of a fresh story that they're telling. Like I said, I haven't beat eight yet, and it's uh, but there is a possibility that eight could then make give some exposition and explanation at the end of it that may tie it to the other games. But as far as you see now, this is you can start with seven and just go from there. And what limited knowledge you know about eight or about the original uh, games would wouldn't be a huge factor there. Um, but as we said, you know, Resident Evil. This is a franchise that's been around for 25 years, which is kind of incredible. It's kind of very unique in the fact that it's an ongoing story. It's it has spawned, like we said, multiple movies. Um, they're actually going to be rebooting the movie franchise again <laughs> um, uh, here soon. I believe using the same director, Mila Kulovich, again, because uh, they're like a husband-wife duo where... I think they got married like shortly after Resident Evil One, and like they've just she's just been in every Resident Evil movie because uh, since then. Um, so it's definitely something that has shaped pop culture and has definitely been influential in uh, almost all horror games across the board uh, since its initial release. 
to be the definitive, hey, this is what survival horror is. And then it's been redefined a few times, and now Resident Evil kind of jumped back in saying, okay, cool. Yeah, survival horror, but hey, people still like to defend themselves, so let's give them a gun instead of just <laughs> running around with a camera in the dark. Yeah. Um, this, so It's come a long way, that's for sure, from where it's come from, and the fact that it's still around is amazing. Yep, and with the re- successful reboot, we could end up seeing another 27 titles just in <laughs> this this storyline franchise. Who knows? Um, it's definitely something that's going to be here to stay, so that's why it's one that we feel like you should definitely check out. Uh, but basically, that's our show this week. Thank you for listening. You can find us at forthrightgaming.com. Uh, and you can find us on Twitch uh, every week where we'll stream. And then up- upcoming this week, we're going to be streaming uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, so you can find us at twitch.tv slash found at the end. Or find us on Twitter at Forthright Gaming, YouTube Forthright Gaming. And definitely on our webpage, www.forthrightgaming.com. If you like what you're listening to, please like and subscribe. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are found, like Apple, uh, Alexa, Google podcast just about we're on just about every platform that is available so check us out let us know uh we have comment section on our webpage uh where this uh, podcast is posted and uploaded to so definitely let us know what you think and we look forward from hearing from you so see you next time have a good one <laughs>